right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 6. Exodus, chapter 6, as we are making our way through Exodus. I have said, in some ways, this is like the, the story of the birth of a nation. And uh, if, if, we're, if that's where we're at, if this is the birth of a nation, then uh, we are just past having built the crib and having our bag packed at the door. And now uh, we are in the car headed to the hospital. Okay, can y'all picture that? Some of y'all had a, a different situation. That wasn't very, um, like a calm setting for you. I don't know. Uh, some of you moms in the room, that was far more panicky than others. Um, but, but that's kind of where we're at at this point, right? So, so even last week, we ended on this cliffhanger where Moses was crying out to God, wondering why in the world he would send him to rescue the people only for their life to get harder. So he's, he's gone. He's gone before Pharaoh at least one time, said, let the people go. And Pharaoh has, as predicted, said, no, not, not going to do that. Not going to be a part of that. Uh, and, and now, not only has it, uh, was there a big no, but there was, uh, everything got harder. They took away the straw. They said, you got to work just as hard. In fact, harder to get the, the task done for that day. And man, the, the people were complaining. Moses is really even complaining to God saying, why did you do it this way? And so today, we, we have an answer to that. The Lord responds here. So let's, let's do this. I'm, I know it's, it's a good bit to read, but we're going to read chapter 6. So, so follow along with me as I read. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of un uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Verse 14. These are the heads of their fathers' houses. Whew, this is a hard part. Y'all just stick with me. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanuk, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, 
These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of the Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei, by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. I slow down my reading. Did y'all notice that? The years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merar, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Zithri. Aaron took as his wife Elishabeth the daughter of Amenadab and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, the sons of Korah, Aser, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. I'm really glad to get to verse 26. (laughs) These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. These, this Moses and this Aaron. We'll keep reading. We'll conclude. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? We're going to get to why that genealogy is actually important. You know, if you ever read that part, sometimes we just look at it and say, "Mm, when when is the genealogy over? But I wanted to read it despite how poorly I may have uh, done that, because there's, there's actually a specific reason that it's there. So I want us to be able to get there. But before we do that, let's see, that maybe remember that this book, I've said this over and over, this book is about God and specifically how much we need Him. So again, we get to this chapter and we will find that truth again today. This book is not about Moses, it's not about Pharaoh, it's not even really about the people of Israel. It's about God and how much we need him. So, what happens? First, in this response, God reminds Moses who he is. Now, when I say he, I'm referring to God, not Moses. So, who God is. God reminds Moses of who God is. Look at verse 1. Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. This this right here, even in his declaration, he is speaking to Moses. There is conversation here. There There is relationship enough that Moses is hearing from the Lord, and specifically that he's hearing from Yahweh. Right? 
this is, this is what he's, this, this name, but the Lord said to Moses, but Yahweh said to Moses, here's part of what he's reminding him. I am Yahweh who met you in the burning bush, right? Even, even in verse, verse two, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. He's reminding him. Remember that, that burning bush moment? Remember that, that like spectacular moment when the, the bush was on fire, but it wasn't like being consumed? I, I am that God. So you and your little doubts, remember, like I spoke to you then. I made it clear to you then. This is me speaking again. I am the Lord. He says with a mighty hand, he is going to do this work. The psalmist echoes those words. Says his love endures forever with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever. You see, verse one tells us that Yahweh spoke, and verse two tells us that God is Yahweh. Are you catching that? So he's he's giving that, that that proper noun, proper name, Yahweh, and then saying who Yahweh is. And he also adds to that, you will know my name in a greater way than your forefathers. In fact, when he, part of his response to Moses is, I am God Almighty who covenanted with your forefathers, made a promise, made a commitment to one another. Verses three and four, right? I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. By my name, Yahweh, right? I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. What's he doing? He's reminding Moses again. I, I made a promise. I made a promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. But you've gotten something different than they got. You got my name. I, I, didn't, I didn't tell Abraham that I was Yahweh. I didn't tell Jacob that I was Yahweh. I didn't tell Isaac that I was Yahweh. I'm, I told you. I've told you who I am. I made, a, I made a covenant with them. I made a promise to them. And, and I want you to remember that I remember the promise. I, I made a promise to them and I'm a promise keeper. He's not just a promise maker, but he's, he's trying to remind, not only remind Moses of that promise, but also remind him of, of kind of this special relationship that they have. God reminds Moses who he is, and God reminds Moses what he does. In fact, in these few verses, it's like uh, God is just Word after word after word, almost verse after verse after verse. We'll see it in just a moment. That he's just telling him, these are the things I have done. These are the things I do. These are the things I will do. It's like a, just a list of like the, not just his character, right? Not just that he is the Lord. Not just that he is God Almighty. Not just that he is a covenant keeper. But he's telling him, here's what I do. Here's what I have done. Maybe you have forgotten it. So he does. He, he reminds him. He says, I am the God who appeared. Maybe, maybe we just pass on by that, but don't pass by verse 3. 
when he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, we need to remember that God, God showed up. Right? He actually came in that way. We forget this as though it, uh, because we have, we have seen that he appeared, that he has come. We've experienced this. But you, you realize that there are false religions all over the world that are based on gods that never showed up. Like, they didn't show up because they're not real. Right? So we're talking about whole, whole, like, entire religious systems that are based on worshiping idols, it's like, so like figurines, whether large or small, that have no life in them. So when God says, I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, that means something, right? I, I, I showed up to these, these men. This, this appearance was significant. He revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He, he actually showed up. But he also is, is reminding him that, that his relationship with Moses was going to be even more uniquely special. He appeared to Moses also. He has showed up. In fact, in this theophany kind of way, we talked about that word, that he actually appeared in the form of this burning bush. Gave himself physical representation so that Moses would have something unique to hold on to. He is a God who appears. I need you to hear that today. In light of whatever is happening in your life, our God shows up. Our God is there. He is here. He has revealed himself. He goes on, though, to say, I am, I am the God who established. Look at verse 4. I established my covenant. You know that, what that means? That this was initiated by God. That the covenant promise began with him. He looked to the people. He looked to Abraham. In fact, when he was Abram, right? He said, I'm making a covenant with you. You're going to be my people. There's not even people for you to be my people with, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to make you my people. I'm going to make you people, and then I'm going to make you my people. He's the one that initiates this. He's the one that establishes his work of covenant promise. When, when Abram didn't even know to do so, when Isaac wouldn't have even had that, Jacob wouldn't have had that, but, but he initiates that with them. Again, the God who shows up, the God who appears, is the same God who establishes love for us. The same God who establishes promise for us. The God who established, he goes on to say, I'm the God who heard. Verse 5, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. I heard the groaning. I love it. This is not, I think this is like the third time we've seen that God is a God who hears. In, in six chapters, we've seen that God hears his people. And I, uh, I just, I'm so encouraged by Ellie's uh, testimony 
and how that is one of the, the pieces that she pointed out, that she is learning to pray for the, the Z people, learn, learning to pray for those uh, who, who she can't even speak their language. I'm, I'm learning to pray for them. Guess what? God hears Ellie's prayers. You know that neighbor that you can speak to? And, and it's, it's hard to, to get up the, the courage to, to walk across the street. God hears your prayers about that too. And you know that sickness that sent you to the doctor or the hospital? God hears your prayers about that. You know that hardship, that job decision you're going through? God, God hears your prayers about that. And your marriage strife and your decision whether or not to obey or disobey your parents, God hears your prayers. You need to hear this. So if you're not awake, I don't know how to get louder. Wake up. God hears your prayers. Now, you don't always like how he responds to them, but you need to know that he hears you. Oh, church, know that the God of the cre like all creation, the one who made everything, the one who established his covenant, not just hears, but God shows up. Our God appears. I am the God who heard. Feels like God is needing to remind Moses and his people of this again. And then I realized, man, I think I needed to hear that again. I needed to hear that again, that he hears the cries of his people. I know you're there. I have not forgotten you. In fact, he's not forgotten you. He, he says, I am the God who remembers. Look at verse 5. I have remembered my covenant. Not only did he establish this covenant, but he remembers it. Like he's a covenant-keeping God. So he's like, hey, by the way, I made a promise to you. I remember the promise I made. I, I, I didn't forget that. I, I just told you that I established that covenant. But now I'm reminding you that I remember what I said. Sometimes... It feels like we doubt that. Maybe it's not about um, a certain, like maybe it's, it's the smaller promises. Smaller promises that we feel like we've forgotten. Or maybe he's forgotten. But in this, we're reminded today, our God remembers. Remembers his, remembers his promises over and over and over in Scripture. He goes on to say, I'm the God who delivers. Verse 6. Save therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and the great acts of judgment. He is saying, I'm the God. I am the one who is going to do this delivering. I'm the one who's, right? Oh, go back, go back. Remember when we compared in, in, in the right way to uh, God being like uh, a midwife? Like the one who actually does the delivering? This is him saying it again. I, I am the deliverer. 
I am the one who's going to bring you. I, if this is a birth of a nation, I'm the one who's going to bring you. I'm going to bring you to life. I'm going to have to bring you into the promised land. I'm the deliverer. God says, I am the one. I'm, I'm here. I'm showing up. I'm hearing your cries. I remember my promise, and I'm going to be the one that delivers you. Yeah, we might want to try to give Moses some credit or Aaron for being the helper, but what God is making very clear is that it is he who is doing the deliverance. He who is bringing the freedom. He who is bringing them hope. This hope that we just sang about, he's saying, that's me. I'm the one you hope in. I'm the one you look for. I'm the deliverer. This is what I do. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am the uncaused cause. But not just that. He says, I am the God who knows. Verse 7. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And this, he's saying, I, I want you to know that I know. Remember, we talked about that a couple sermons ago. That before you could even cry, before a tear drops from your cheek, God knows. He's saying, like, I'm going to bring you to be my people. And then we're going to dwell together. Now we can fast forward and kind of get this idea of what we know is the tabernacle that's coming where, where they're going to get to dwell uniquely with him. But, but we have something even greater looking ahead, right? We, we have that Jesus appeared. Jesus showed up. Jesus came. Jesus heard us and left heaven for us, gave us remembered the covenant, remembered the promise, and said, I'm here. I heard you cry. And then, then this, this same one didn't just make us meet in a tent, but said, I'm coming to you, to dwell in you, to dwell with you. And then for all eternity, for the rest of everything, after time is done and there is no keeping of time, we have eternity with the one who came, who knows. So yesterday, I appeared. Yesterday, I established. Today, I am the Lord. But tomorrow, I will bring, I will deliver, I will redeem, I will take you, I will bring you, I will take the land. Pharaoh, Pharaohs, come and go. Kings rise and fall. Presidents will be voted in and voted out. But with our God, he always reigns. This is, this is the kind of word. This is why we, are, we waited, right? This is worth the cliffhanger, right? God's response is this kind of good. Our God is this kind of good. He gets like a whole sermon just for this, right? But we, even with all this, the people continued to doubt. Isn't that just like, talk about popping the balloon, letting all the air out. Look at verse 9. Moses spoke thus 
to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. Let this be a warning to us who sit in this room and maybe even say, Amen, that sounds great, that God is that kind of God. And, and then walk out of this room, whether to life group or into the parking lot, and we say, yeah, but. I'm sure God really is there for so many of those other people in the room, but is he really hearing my cries? Is he really hearing my worries and doubts and fears? Is he, is he really hearing me? I mean, we had the praise report in life group, I get it, but is he hearing me? In some ways, it seems that the Israelites were, were willing, but they lacked memory. It's like, they, it's like they couldn't remember what had taken place, like all of this history that had brought them to this point. It's like they, they're forgetting that. Jen Wilkin, in talking about this text in particular, she says, what we repeat in times of ease is what we will recall in times of difficulty. And so, uh, have you ever heard about those who might say something similar to that? Like, uh, we had to decide that God was sovereign even before things got hard, right? We had to make a decision that we trusted God when things were easy so that when things got hard, we knew, okay? We've, we've said we trust him even when things are hard. We've already established that. I mean, we do that in marriage, right? We do that with our jobs even. Hey, we've already decided that just because the job gets hard, I'm not quitting. We've already decided that just because uh, we get in an argument with our spouse, it doesn't mean we're quitting on each other. In the same way, Israelites, it's like they're willing, but they just forget. They, they, they've not built up the muscle memory to get them through this. Like the, the memory that, okay, God is sovereign. God is in control. God is in control. Like we say that when things are going really well, so that when things are not going really well, it, we will keep saying it. God does not desire to leave them. No, he desires to lead them, to help them learn what is necessary in these ways. Moses seems to be willing. Moses was willing but lacked faith, right? He might be one who remembers, but he doesn't actually have the faith. Look at verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I'm a uncon, uh, uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel and uh, out of the land of Egypt. This, this phrase here again, when, when he says of uncircumcised lips, this is, I am disobedient. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. The, the Israelites didn't listen to me, and they're my people. And they look at me and say, you're disobedient. So he's going to look at, it's just the same kind of words, same language uh, as Isaiah uses in uh, chapter 6, when he says, I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. He's saying, like, I'm not clean enough. I'm not pure enough, Moses is saying. I'm not good enough, right enough, pure enough. And what we need to remember is that 
when, because God has called him, God has equipped him to be enough. This is, this is true for us as well. The Lord speaks in verse 13, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land. Basically, here's what he's saying. This is now a direct order. You think that I was just suggesting that you go to, back to Pharaoh again. This is no longer like a conversation. You ever have that with your, your kids? That was not a suggestion, buddy. You know, you add that to the end. Aha, okay. You, you say their name. I'll say my, like, hey, Luke, this was not a suggestion. Hey, Zeke. This was not an option. We're not, we're not discussing this anymore. I'm giving you a charge. This is what you have to do. I've, I've called you to do this. Therefore, I've equipped you to do this. And so here's what I wonder. I wonder how many of us today are following the king's orders. Or how many of us are looking back at him like, uh, I'm not really pure enough. I'm not really ready enough. I'm not really good enough, strong enough, rich enough. Uh, I don't have all my ducks in a row. And he's looking back at you and saying, I'm in charge, buddy. This is a direct order, son. This is a direct order, daughter. This isn't like an option anymore. You see, I, I told you that, that this genealogy was on purpose, right? So we get to all these names that I struggled all the way through. I did that proving to you that you can make it through also. But here's what he's saying. Why, why is this genealogy here? Get to verse 26. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. He's making it very clear to Moses and Aaron, I'm talking to you, right? Remember that example when I said like, hey, Luke, this is not an option anymore, buddy. Hey, Zeke, this is not an option anymore. He's going through their whole lineage and saying, hey, Moses, this Moses. There wasn't another Moses around I was talking to. Hey, Aaron, this is for you. This is this Moses, this Aaron. He even goes into this weird part where, I don't know if you call it verse 20, just a side note, but Moses' mom and dad are actually aunt and nephew. What? I don't even... I, this is not like a commendation for that, by the way. But here's, like, not sure why Moses decided to add that little detail about his own family. But maybe he thought it was weird too. But, but here's what's happening. It's, it's evident that, that he's saying, like, even with the weird in your past, this Moses and this Aaron, even with all the weird, so I'm talking to you now, even with all the weird in your past, Lord is looking at you and saying, I'm talking to you. This is exactly who God wants in this story. God wants this Moses and this Aaron. 
And so even in their doubt, they're operating in obedience. Before Moses can walk forward with God, he must realize his inability to walk at all apart from God. Let me, let me say that again. Before Moses can walk forward with God, he must realize his inability to walk at all apart from God. You could insert your name there before you walk with God. Before Chad walks with God. We must realize our inability to walk at all apart from I wonder if you realize that about yourself today. Did you know that, that you need God as much as the people of Israel needed God? So that, that one who is the great deliverer, the rescuer, you need him. Did you know that you need God just as much as Moses needed God? Just as much as Aaron needed God? You need God this way. See, God's intent in the Exodus is to show the Egyptians who he is. We'll actually see that in a few chapters. And to remind his people of his faithfulness. Seems like kind of two purposes, right? To let the Egyptians know that he's the one true God and to let his people remember that he's faithful. I feel like those are the two groups in this room. Maybe not Egyptians and Israelites, but there are those of you in this room who need to, to know who God is. And those of us in this room who need to remember that God is faithful. So I'll tell you this, if you're one who, who needs to know who God is at all, I'll, I'll tell you that, that God, Yahweh, the uncaused cause, the creator of the universe, the one who intricately wove you together, knit you together in your mother's womb, is also the God who created the Grand Tetons. That God holy and perfect, set apart in his perfection, never doing wrong, never thinking wrong, never acting wrong. Everything about this God is right. This is the God who shows up. He appears, he hears the cries of his people. He's relational. So in his creation, he, he made man and woman in, their, in his image, actually. But then... Pretty quickly, man messed up. We sinned. We went away from God's plan. We disobeyed him, disregarded him, kind of went our own way. And as a result, every man and woman since then have been sinners. We've, we've chosen our own way. We were born into sin, and then we chose to sin going against God. But the God who appears, right? 
God who shows up sent his one and only son. His name is Jesus. And the, the separation that was caused by our sin, Jesus comes to earth. Jesus, the Son of God, he comes and lives a perfect life, a life that we could not live, and dies the death that we deserve to die. The, the punishment that was given to us, he takes on for us. He dies on the cross for you and for me. And this, this Jesus, he didn't just die on the cross, but in three days, he conquered the grave. He came back to life defeating hell and, and the grave and death for us, demonstrating that his death on the cross was sufficient for our sin. He conquers death. And so here's what, here's what he says, that if you believe, if you will turn from your sin, your stuff, your disobedience, if you'll turn from him and trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus alone, then you will be saved. Saved saved from that, that hell that he conquered, that grave that he conquered, that death that he conquered. You'll be rescued. You'll be delivered. You'll be brought out because he showed up. So today, will you place your faith? Will you surrender yourself to Jesus in this way? Will you repent and believe, turn and trust? then for, for some of us needing to remember remember the faithfulness of God as we re recall that it should be that we are ones who declare that few have experienced the grace of God like this the undeserved goodness mercy of God then you should be one who wants to make his name known, to make Yahweh known, to make Jesus known in all the earth. If we saw him for who he is, all other parts of our lives would pale in comparison to him and our hearts would be stirred to worship. If we really see him for who he is, so as we respond this morning, in fact, in just a moment, we'll stand and, and we'll sing. And maybe it is today that today is the day of salvation for you. So if you would, if you'll make your way to this room to my left, there will be people who would love to open up God's word, help answer questions that you might have, or celebrate the, the decision you just made. Rejoice with you. Maybe it is your response is you're hearing the Lord maybe even call your name. Like it is, it is you I'm talking to, Moses. It is you I'm talking to, Aaron. You're hearing your name. So your response today is to trust him, to proclaim him, and to worship him. Would you stand with me as we respond?